Kwon for, for accepting my invitation to Asian Tide, uh, the podcast to drive business growth in Southeast Asia. Um, you are uh, the culture uh, director uh, at Vero, ASEAN. Uh, can you tell us more about yourself? Hi, Denise. Thanks for the invitation. Um, so a little bit uh, more about the role. So I joined Vero um, eight months ago. So at the beginning of 2021. Um, and the role is culture and brand director. So it was kind of an open brief. Uh, the company was looking for someone leading the culture. Um, but it's a very open um, kind of an environment. In other companies, you have people who come in as, you know, chief people officer and things like that, or chief happiness, and they're usually coming from a um, HR background um, or, um, yeah, mostly from an HR background. And um, the particularity at Bureau and with my um, arrival is that I don't have an HR background, uh, but I do have a management experience. And we developed a roadmap, which included two things, which we consider are the two faces of the same uh, question, which is culture. So how do people behave and live and work together? Uh, and brand, because brand is also something that's both external, what you project as a company towards uh, clients, prospects, partners, uh, but also internally, what, do, what kind of values do you stand for? Uh, how you want to be identified as a group of people, as a community. So for us, culture and brand was, were kind of linked and putting the keyword brand as well was a means to make sure that we um, really like put words on what our culture is. <laughs> it's, um, it comes from a good place. I think we have um, quite benevolent leaders, um, but also it's good for business. <laughs> to be uh, transparent. Um, it's a, I think it's just that we have forward thinking leadership uh, which who are conscious about the changes in the market, you know, about how demanding it is to uh, compete for talent, for instance. So creating an employee experience that a team member experience that's, um, that's compelling and that's inviting uh, is primordial for a few reasons. First is to attract them. Um, Nowadays, you know, job interviews actually go both ways. And uh, we're being questioned and quizzed and interviewed as employers as much as the candidates are interviewed on their skills and background. They ask us questions like, what are your values? Uh, what do you do for diversity and inclusion? And all things like that. And we have to be uh, on the front, uh, on the edge uh, uh, of all these questions. Um, because the people who care about that are usually the best, you know, talents, because they're thoughtful. Um, the second thing is uh, growth and retention, for sure. We want people who join us to be able to uh, foresee, you know, uh, a clear or at least an exciting future, mm -hmm. and to grow, to either grab more responsibilities or to learn something new, which is something that they often mention as one reason to join Burrow. They say, there's a lot to learn. And here's a space where I feel like I can really grow and you know develop my own uh, professional profile. Um, there's cohesion. I think um, really investing in our culture is a way to uh, make sure that collaboration is uh, functional and is efficient. 
and that socially people can connect and they can you know do their best together um because we know that it's not always easy you know you can't just put any random team members together and just expect you know cross fingers and wait for good results to come out it's i think it's interesting to be proactive in handling uh, management and uh, you know uh, team uh, cohesion then there's a uh, productivity and quality uh, i think uh, part of the, our roadmap is also to put like um, health of our team members um, at, as a first priority because we're in an intellectual and or creative uh, industry and you can't have people do intellectual or creative things efficiently if they're burnt out, if they're sad, if they're unhappy, or you know, if they're stressed or feeling threatened. Um, I think the culture of thinking that people do their best when they're challenged um, is not really, is not right. Um, the cha challenges are, you know, uh, is a context. Challenges is a, is a brief, it's like, there's something intellectually uh, difficult to tackle. There's a business case that you need to resolve. That's a challenge. But anything extra, like, I don't know, you know, like, yeah, bullying culture or uh, irrational deadlines, uh, things like that are, are all just distractions to, uh, good, uh, to good results. So what we're trying to build is to make sure that our teams are equipped mentally, uh, culturally to face the challenges. Um, but with the comfort of mind to do their so that they can do their best. Hmm. So, so your employee experience um, enables an, ex an experience that is the best for your customers at the end of the day. Yeah. Because you have the context that you have created where you prioritize their health and yeah. you're, you're saying no to certain things. Uh, like a crazy deadlines. You scaled from 100 to 140 people. How do you, how do you make sure that your employees experienced at 100 people is the same as 140 people and 200 and 300 that I wish you yeah. to have? So that's the thing. It's not the same. So our team has to constantly adapt um, to also scale our efforts. Um, but the fact that the company is growing also provides opportunities for what we do, mm -hmm. activities we organize or, you know, uh, projects we launch uh, to be even more efficient. Uh, for, so the reason is when, let's say when you launch something and there's only a project and there's only 100 people, there's a good chance that half of them, the project is relevant and really engaging for half of them, for instance, and giving this as a random a metric. So we, 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 we do try to measure the impact of our projects now and then. Um, but for instance, let's say only half of them are interested. So you, only, you have 50 people who are not really engaged. But I think in terms of uh, absolute numbers, you, if you, the, when the teams increase, then even with the same ratio of engagement, you have more people being positively impacted by a project. You know what I mean? Um, so instead of having 50 people being happy of whatever we provided, then you would have 70. So as a, as a just an arithmetic thing, that's actually interesting for us. 
On the other hand, we're also it also provides us uh, a grounds to diversify what we do. Um, because when you have like a smaller team, the temptation is to, you know, do one size fits all. To say, hey, here's one project, one activity, and it's for everyone. So we used to do that, or we used to do like local activities and we, we organize country by country and we help each country's HR teams and operational teams to organize social activities, training programs or whatever. Um, but now we're reaching a point where uh, we're trying to, pers to personalize and to the experience more and more. And to do that, we can we create more like segmented uh, activities. Um, because at 140 people, you can organize activities for 20 people. It's already worth you know the time of our team. Because that's actually a actually a good proportion of you know uh, uh, team members who will go back to work with you know better engagement, feeling good about what they're doing, etc. Um, and it allows us to really dig into uh, different communities, different profiles of team members and provide them more, more or less like custom, customized and uh, dedicated experiences um, so that they can really, we can address their problems at scale. Um, so what I'm saying is we're calling ourselves uh, as a company, a team of teams. And it's something which means that we're acknowledging that there are subcultures. There's not just one viral culture. There's not, you know, one way to be where, you know, 140 people are all like brainwashed into kind of one uh, mission and one way to behave. Uh, we have actually a, a, a shared corpus of values and of uh, traits, but at the same time, that we, what we're telling people is that there are so many ways to uh, express them and to live by them. Um, there are, so for instance, we have three key values. One is, called, one is the first one is a, a trust. Mm -hmm. The second one is a kindness. And the third one is curiosity. And what we're telling people is that with each of these keywords, you can bring your own value in your own way. Some people can embody trust by being the most reliable person. You know, you can give them anything. They will do it for you in time, at speed, whatever. But some other people don't have that exact same strength. Some people would actually leverage trust as being the most transparent person you can work with. They would share everything with you, never hide anything, and really give you all the information you need at any point of time to work together efficiently. That's also trust. Um, or some people are just you know, confident decision makers. You don't know how, but you know that when you're working with this person, it's someone who's going to provide guidance and maybe help to decide in the moment as a, for, with the team uh, how what to do next and, you know, pull the team together with them. And that's also a way to express, you know, and embody the notion of trust within a team. So that's what we're saying. Like people can really come with different uh, personalities, uh, but add value with their personalities to our platform. And so on our and on culture team, now we can provide dedicated activities for all these different people. Some of the clients are uh, giving crazy deadlines or can be bullying. Mm -hmm. um, and this is the life of an agency, right? It's a very 
highly competitive environment yep. uh, that can be considered as toxic. How do you prepare, prevent, and protect your people, your talents to deal with this toxicity? Um, so um, the, the first step we can take is internal. So we know that uh, usually the pressure that comes from outside reflects inside. Um, so the most direct way is to address first inside internally, because then we'll talk about externally in a bit, but at least it's under our control somehow. Uh, and to do that, what we've been doing is to, well, first broadcast actual values. And it's not, um, it's not a coincidence that one of our three key core values is kindness. Um, because of course you can always broadcast values and not <laughs> live by them. But we do have um, active situations where we remind people that the, the, this value is at the core of what we do. We exemplify it with some projects so that we show that it's, it's not just words. And then of course we expect people to also live by the, this value themselves. Um, so, the, the kindness value is uh, something that we're injecting in a lot of things we do. Uh, we've launched um, projects where we encourage mutual recognition, where you know there are apps that can help you to actually send you know messages and kind of incentivize and gamify the fact that you can send nice words to people who've helped you or who are just sitting next to you. Um, to say thanks for helping me with this or thanks for making me discover that, etc. Because we know that otherwise in the generic kind of flow of work, uh, yeah, some people are more like um, natural at saying thanks here and there and, and there is thanks, thanks, thanks to everyone. Uh, but some may not, you know, and injecting positive speak and speech um, in people's social interactions uh, changes things. It, you know, it changes the mood, in fact, and you have to kind of incentivize it. Of course, everyone can have a bad day and be grumpy, right? Uh, but if they're stimulated and nudged to actually, hey, pay attention to your colleagues and today do you have something to say to your friends or peers, then suddenly the mood changes and they're like, oh yeah, actually someone helped me and I will send a message to say thanks to that person. So we started with an online app, which was embedded in our collaborative tool. So that's very uh, efficient. So as in part of the chats where you can actually send each other like very dry, you know, notes like, hey, uh, I was uh, passive aggressive notes. Like as per my previous email, I was collecting this uh, <laughs> file before the deadline. Uh, we could actually send like points. You could give points to others and say, thanks for doing this for me or for helping or whatever. And here's two points. And when people gather points, they could actually redeem with, you know, small gifts. They would pay for, you know, coffee or tea or stuff like that. So people felt very happy to see that when they thank someone, that person actually receives something. Mm. And the company would actually support that. Um, another way we did that after is to actually create like a, a social bond through social media. On our Instagram account, uh, our team has created a new project as part of community management uh, called Vero Radio Service. So it's pretty cool because it's like a, it's like the old school 
radio song requests and you know uh, tagging. You know, back in the days, you could call up the radio channel and say, "Hey, I'd like to offer this song to my friend or my fiance or my mom or whatever," and then you could they would record your message and uh, play that song for you. Um, so we're doing that on Instagram. So every month there's a survey going out and you can subscribe and say, I want to send this song to that person. And then our team is, uh, produces like uh, Instagram stories with the song, uh, with a cool visual and with the tag of whoever's re receiving it. Uh, it can be anonymous. <laughs> you can send it anonymously or you can send it uh, with your own uh, um, account, account name, etc. And that, again, is a way to reinforce, you know, like a sort of communion um, uh, between people and to reinforce like positive um, uh, interactions. Um, but when you go back to the big picture and the objective, right, right which is um, um, kind of avoiding or creating a context so that we can uh, tone down toxicity and things like that, uh, we also make sure that during we have a cultural onboarding so myself or part of my teams um, welcome every new team members uh, and we walk them through our brand book and our culture book we walk them through our values and our values are also exemplified with some you know like uh, it's not like do's and don'ts but more like uh, tips and tricks for efficient collaboration with your team members and in there we offer a few tips to you know uh, reinforce positive feedback culture because usually the main kind of pain point of uh, toxic work environments is feedback it becomes toxic when you say to someone i don't agree with you or what you did was not what i expected you know just negative feedback and there are ways to provide you know negative feedback because uh, work that is not up to standard or that is not aligned or misunderstandings or you know um, disagreements happen but we're trying to kind of uh, uh, help people de develop a new way of, uh, of uh, providing feedback and to think about how they do it so we also did a session a viral session a few weeks a few months ago about that where i was talking about replacing the culture of you and i you know because in conversations in every language, there's kind of a bias of people talking about work with their person involved. Like, I think this, you think that, you did this, I did that, I don't agree with you. When you do that, you set up like linguistic context for conflict and it hurts feelings, it hurts, you know, uh, relationships. Whereas changing the, the language and saying we are doing this or we could change that puts you on the same side so when you use we with the other person you're working with. And facing you is not another person. Facing you is a project or a document. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we could change this or we could change that tagline. The tagline is not great yet. When you say that, it doesn't sound like, hey, you did a crappy job at writing that tagline. It just means that we can do better. Hmm. And take co-ownership as well, because usually the issue of uh, bad feedback is and toxic environment is that it's separated ownership. It's, I did this, so it's my thing. You know, I own this document. And if anyone like doesn't like it, then they're kind of, they don't like me. 
right? So what we're trying to establish as well is a culture of co-ownership. Whatever you do is not your own work solo. It's, a, it's teamwork anyway. So even if I didn't write the tagline for it with you, uh, uh, specifically, I would say we, we can do it with that, that tagline because I feel as responsible for its quality as, as the other person. And we're, so we developed that idea of collective intelligence as well. And to tell people there's no, there's no shame in starting a draft, which is very rough and already invite who you think can help you to refine it or comment on it early on. Because when you do that, it's a collective piece of work from the start, from the get-go. And then it creates an environment where, again, uh, with mutual ownership, you have less chances of you know, uh, being conflictual because it's not personal anymore. So that's one, one thing we do to uh, avoid the, 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 the toxic uh, work culture. Um, and we even take that into like, uh, you know, yearly or, or quarterly uh, feedback sessions, because we do, we have appraisals and things like that, right? Um, and it's also a space where we're shifting the culture. A few years ago, the company or like others would have like quantitative feedback where you would get like almost like grades. You know, there are surveys where people get asked like, how do you rank yourself in terms of this and that from one to five? And they would ask your manager to do the same about you. And that creates also grounds for, you know, uh, misunderstandings and, um, mm. and bad feelings. Because then it means you're bad or you're good mm. as a person, you know. When in fact, what we're, what, what's important and what we're actually putting in our appraisals now is uh, what you're doing, which is not you. And what you're doing, we're asking people to review uh, within a three kind of pillar uh, system between uh, what you're doing well, please, and it's called continue, like please continue doing this because you're good at it and it provides value for everyone. So please continue. So you reinforce, you know, people uh, and their confidence. Then the second is, you know, stop. So something you're doing is not helping. But in that column, we expect, we ask actively the appraisers to provide a solution. You can't tell someone that what they're doing is not helping if you can't provide an alternative. Mm. Yeah, it's not only about the problem. Yes. It's, it's about giving solution yes. and being proactive in that. Yeah, and so. then it's constructive, you know. Mm. Um, because then the person receiving the feedback doesn't sound, feel like you're just judging them. You're providing a solution. Um, and then it, there's a discussion in the process, of course, with HR involved, with uh, us culture team involved to help the person being appraised, you know, understand and interpret the, the feedback in a positive light. Um, and then there's a, there's a, a second, a third uh, pillar, which is a start, which is um, proposing new things that a person can do to you know improve or grow so again that doesn't that's a very positive thing and it encourages um, everyone to have a constructive mindset so we're hoping that by seeding you know empowerment basically uh, in 
different moments of company life in everyday life, you know, with those like kind of a thank you stickers um, on, the, on the yearly basis with appraisals. Uh, at Milestones, for instance, when you join, we really like uh, tell people about the importance of, you know, positive collaboration, the values it's based on, and we provide examples of how to do it and tools to uh, show it. Um, and in case there's, there are conflicts, and I'll be honest, there have been, there are people who run into conflicts between each other, um, then there's arbitration where we want to be very clear that you know, some behaviors are not tolerated. So we've had ca uh, cases where you know, someone deliberately and repeatedly uh, you know, acted against the idea of being constructive and kept, you know, uh, kept an aggressive behavior towards peers, colleagues, and even management, et cetera. Um, and in that case, there's just a culture disconnect. We can help, you know, there's arbitration where we're trying to really like uh, reinstate, re reinforce the, 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 the values and say, hey, here's how we can solve it. There are ways to solve it. We can look at the problem together and we can work on it together. Everyone is around the table. It's a very open process. And we depersonalize the, the, the discussion as well. It's not about you versus that other person. Mm -hmm. It's about how we can provide you with a better working structure. But we had a case, for instance, where it didn't happen. And I think that's the extreme scenario where you just have to part ways because you think you, you, you have a clear uh, mis disalign misalignment of uh, values and culture. Mm -hmm. um, and so far, I believe that um, we've been able to keep you know, um, uh, toxicity mostly at bay. Um, and, and when we feel some signals of you know, pe people feeling under pressure, feeling threatened, um, then we continue uh, advocating towards managers because usually they're the people in power, right? Um, there's usually like more kind of a pressure from top down than bottom up. You don't you rarely have cases of a junior being toxic to their superior, right? To the line manager. Uh, but in the other way around, we really keep an eye, eye on the ball and make sure that um, managers are equipped and trained and constantly reminded that. Uh, to get the best out of the teams, basically they they have to come up with constru constructive solutions, provide them with you know a good workflow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and that that's the work of managers, basically. Well, I wish you great success uh, on that, and uh, because align alignment and having a personalized personalized employee experience is a kind of a continuous and a lifelong learning. I would guess, uh, because people are evolving, um, they have different needs, they have different expectations. Um, and, and the fact that you are starting from the bottom, which is actually having benevolent leaders, uh, is, I think, very inspiring. Uh, it's really a logic of inside out, where um, by making sure that the ins like the internal context is the best possible um it's and having faith putting faith and trust and living out your three values of trust 
curiosity and kindness um, that I am sure will help uh, attract the best clients on the market to Vero. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Rukon, for coming to this interview to Asian Tide. Thank you for sharing all those insights with the Generation Z um, that are composing your teams. Uh, thank you very much to the listeners to, for listening. If you have any uh, any any client any client or colleagues that would be interested into this uh, episode, feel free to share it. Mm -hmm.